I just didn't think it was our best work. I agree with you. I thought it was fine, but I agree that I think that we were a little negative. <laughs> just a little negative. We took we took all the things and then we were like, Urgh. Um Yeah, and actually I think the story is that like, well, we could just talk about it. Yeah. You know what you want to say? Not really, but Okay, cool. Let's just have a conversation okay. and let's be good natured about it. What are you doing over Sorry. There? Okay. Are you ready? I couldn't see you, yeah. Let's pray. We gotta pray. Hey guys. What's up? Uh, What's with that face? <laughs> we just had a whole conversation. I know. Um, I'm Elisa. I'm Tom. Welcome to the Being Church podcast where we encourage and inspire. That's right. We need to remember that that is our motto and our theme because we <laughs> recorded this cool. episode last week and it was neither encouraging nor inspiring. <laughs> it was, uh, we spiraled. Right. It was well, cynical. It's like the, uh, what the high schoolers say, trash. That's, the high schoolers say trash. Yeah. People just say trash. People say right? that's trash. <laughs> well, that's true. But like they use that for, oh, man, that guy, that guy, his, his form is trash. Yeah, it's we like, were dude. Not, we were not very, <laughs> it wasn't a helpful episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a we lot We need to go back and pray. That's was, that yeah. was the missing link. Like we needed to pray about what, what, what we, what we were talking about. Yeah, for sure. And so today we want to talk about uh, a couple weeks ago now, this, um, this group called the Pew Research Survey Group something. I don't know. Uh, they put out this survey to a group of people um, about the Eucharist. And they came back and it hit headlines a couple weeks ago. You probably vaguely remember it. Um, came back and it said a third of Catholics don't believe in the Eucharist. Um, and so I think that this is just something that you and I should talk about as yeah. people who work in the formation department at a parish um, but also as people who are Catholic and who believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. Right. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about Was it that. a third that do or a third that do not? I thought it was a third that... I tried to remember the headline. Do. Oh, sorry. Yeah. A third yeah. do. Just one third of U.S. Catholics right. agree. Right. Right. I was trying to be positive. I mean... Two we'll thirds of Catholics <laughs> do not believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Like the real presence. They don't believe in real... They believe it's a symbol. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. I figured we should just talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... Um, I think in order to kind of take this and flip it on its head a little bit, Instead of kind of going back and forth about like, oh man, like, what are we doing wrong about like, why, how, yeah. how, why, like this is, this is actually the foundational teaching of who we are. It, it's what makes us different. Catholic. It's yeah. what makes us different. It's what makes us 2000 years old. Like it's really critically important uh, to who we are and how we move. Yeah. Um, But I just kind of think that like, you know. There are definitely things that we could do better. Yes. You know, catechesis, um, forming, uh, empowering families to be able to to communicate this well to to their kids. Just just all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like also, I think that it would be great to kind of focus on the beauty of what it is to 
take that leap of faith and to be in that in that minority. Yeah. Right. What do you, how do you think life changes once you put yourself in that trust of because nobody like I think we, it's safe to say ain't nobody going to be able to prove that they, like right, yeah, like it's like, never going to make Exactly. It's the 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 real presence in the Eucharist is a mysterious thing in the sense that we can't perceive it with our senses, right? right. We perceive it with faith and we perceive it we believe it because Jesus said so. That it is concerning to me, and you're right. We shouldn't dwell on what we've done wrong. Uh, it is concerning to me that, like, <clears throat> of the people who believe that bread and wine, the bread and wine are symbolic. That which is like, yeah, seventy percent of people, um, according to this, according to this group, you right. know, and who knows how accurate their their the group was that they served. The grouping, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but of the 70% who believe that the bread and wine are symbolic, only 22% have been taught, have been, have been instructed in the right teaching. The rest don't know the teaching. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like they're at no fault. Right. And a part, of, part of me thinks that like if you... So that's a formation problem. I mean, yeah, that, that strictly right. is a formation problem. Maybe, maybe. But think about like the way life takes us some of us a, away from the church in that circumstances of life are difficult or whatever. Like for instance, if you're, you know, if you're from a family who uh, suffers some sort of trauma yeah. and just going to mass or going to religious education yeah. and maybe you just go to mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my family. So my, my parents got divorced when I was seven. And so my mom took us to mass, definitely mm-hmm. took us to mass and, but we didn't make our first Holy Communion until I was 12 yeah. and I didn't get confirmed until I was an adult. And, um, and I think sometimes like life just takes you away from the, the religious education part of it. Sure. Right. And so people, I don't know that all parents feel that, uh, qualified to communicate and to actually teach the faith. I also don't know that parents, it wasn't, I think until me, my generation, and even I don't even know that you feel a responsibility. Like yeah. I didn't know it was my responsibility to make sure that my kids know the faith. Right. Yeah. That you are in charge of your domestic church at home. Right. That it that it falls on you. Right. To to educate your kids in the matters of life, but right. also faith. So so then so then I mean, what other ways besides like if you're not if you're if your parents don't feel equipped, and you don't make it to religious education. Then how are you gonna know? Where else do you? Yeah, right. Exactly. And, I mean, and priests like can't preach on it every Sunday. No, a lot of them, but insert right. it in all sorts of ways yeah. within their. Uh, so uh, I hear what you're saying, a hundred percent. I do think we could talk about it more overall, especially at mass. I mean, it's it's something that it risks just becoming empty movements, right? If we don't like continually come back and reflect on what's actually happening well and it also risks being a privilege for the people who know right so like you know what i mean it, it risks mm. that only a portion of your church is entering into this beautiful wonderful grace-filled life-giving sacrament right yeah, yeah. and a whole portion of your that's interesting it's like a matter of injustice if if the teaching isn't actually communicated if we're not actually talking about what it is like we're depriving 70 percent of our 
community right of understanding the beauty of this or faith. at least the por- per- the portion of that that has never heard it right, right? right definitely that group it's like but you don't you don't know because nobody has lived it expressed it uh talked to you about how they have grappled with it and right. come to come to believe yeah i almost prefer i mean i don't prefer but it's almost a little more I don't know. Makes me feel better that of that seventy percent, thirty percent have heard the teaching and still say that's probably symbolic, that because like at least it's been communicated. Right. There's something to work with there. You right. know, you can you can work with that person. Um. But yeah, to come from knowing nothing. That's it's just it's kind of sad. Like I guess I was more sad than like when I when this came out. I just like I came into the office blazing that day. I was yeah. like, we got to just teach about these mysteries of faith that no one knows about, like all this, whatever I was, yeah. I was a little upset, but, but I think at the, at the root of it, I was, I was just kind of sad um, sure. because it is the Eucharist. I mean, it's been so important for me and I know it's been important for you. It's miraculous, but it's, it's Christ with us. It's right? definitely a journey. I think for some people, it definitely, it is. And a I, journey yeah. And I'm not faulting get... people for not right. knowing that's, I mean, that's your it's job, their, Tom. Right, exactly. It's, <laughs> That's my job. No, it's That's exactly our job. right. It's exactly right. <laughs> right. I, I truly do believe that formation has failed over the past 30 years. I mean, that's not just my opinion. People say, <laughs> it's not just people. The church acknowledges that catechesis in the last couple decades it was not great. Right. Um, and people who went through it acknowledge that it was not great. But you know what? Like, here's here's where I, here's where I gain a little bit of like, okay, this is how what this has to do with this study has to do with Alisa Molina. Like yeah. what does this have to do with yeah. me? I think, you know, the, the new, like one of the new buzz terms is uh, circle of influence. Like mm. what is my circle of influence? There's circle of concern, which means I'm concerned about all of those people. Every mm. single last one of them that has not heard or has not felt confident in this, yeah. in this faith, right? Like I'm concerned, but my circle of influence, the people that I can actually influence and, and help gain this love of Eucharist and this faith. Right. Um, I have them. Like yeah. I have people and and I think maybe that's the positive spin that we can take from that is that like we all have quote unquote a platform. Right. Um and that can be your small domestic church aka your family, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're, you know, if you uh love Jesus so much, there's oppor- opportunities left and right to be catechists here yep. at St. Louis. Right. You and I are catechists and mm-hmm. so yeah, there's a lot to cover, but if that's like not, if that's not prime, it literally is primary. It everything flows from it. So like if it if you and I are not looking at our our lessons and our nights and our evenings right. and thinking, okay, uh, you know Francisco, the new youth minister, mm-hmm. what is his circle like? Who is he moving around and among? And what is the power? And even if you and I get to like five people who either didn't know or really was like, come on guys, it's a, that's hard. That's hard to believe. I cannot. And those five people get this. I think evangelization is so key because people may not believe, or it might be really hard to look at a hey, PowerPoint and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll believe in that because it's on the PowerPoint. That's so different an experience than me telling somebody what Jesus in the Eucharist has done for me. Mm-hmm. Like the stories of people mm-hmm. and the and the faith. That's why you and I are so passionate about having 
parishioners come in on this podcast and tell us how they came. Yeah. Because that's like the power of. Yeah. I mean, what it's spinning this positively for me, this, this survey, this study, um, because I agree with you. It, it is easy to just sit and be like, oh, we failed. It's over. Like right. the great experiment, right? Christ said his church isn't going to fail. Mm-hmm. Gates of hell will not prevail. Go and, to daily mass and you'll know for sure that right. they won't because and, those people are like so beautifully faithful. And people's ignorance of faith, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean, people's, you know, just not knowing, that's not going to make it fail either. It's mm-hmm. still going to, it's going to prevail. So like there's still positive things to take from it. My encouragement is like to reassert for myself that I believe in this Eucharist. Absolutely. And then like you're saying, why do I believe? And then sharing that with people. Right. Um, it, whenever things like this happen, it, it's, it's an opportunity for all of us to get back to basics and say, yeah, this is a big deal. And it right. does kind of become like going through the motions, right? You well, and what does mass, our reverence? Communion. Right. What and, is our level of reverence? Cause I remember yeah. there's a quote from a Protestant that said something like, if that's Jesus, why aren't you guys, if that's re- y'all believe that's really Jesus, why aren't you on your knees from the second you get right. all the way up? Right. And so those of us who, who do believe mm-hmm. and have taken that leap yep. and it's um just for me, it's a constant leap. Like yeah. it's like yeah. every time I, that's bread. Well, let's talk. I mean, let's talk about that because we, we had Eucharistic adoration last night. I think you're right. Reverence. We need to increase our reverence right, right. for the Eucharist. Um, we had Eucharistic adoration last night with young adults. And, um, you know, every time that monstrance goes up, you're like, I'm like, I say, okay, that's bread. Like it's always the first thought in my head. Uh, and it takes some doing to say, no, that's Jesus. And that's because that's the battle between our senses Mm -hmm. and our faith. I mean, that's, faith isn't easy. You really have to like, you have to work on it. Right. Um, so, it does take a lot. And of course there's still doubt. Doubt goes hand in hand with faith. Right. But, but the things that I think you that should have, say that again for the people in the back. That doubt goes hand in hand with faith. Yeah, because yeah, I think a does. lot of people think if I doubt, I'm not a faithful, no, faithful person. We, we oscillate. We go yeah. back and forth. And God knows this. He right. knows this. Um, 100% he knows this. He was human. He knows this. So uh, yeah, the Eucharist is, it's tricky because it's imperceptibly full of grace. Right. I mean, this, all the sacraments are, right? They're visible signs of invisible things that are happening. Right. Um, but to to really get your mind around, this is Jesus, I don't think I fully got my mind around that. No. And I think it took, you know, honestly, I know it happens, but I haven't, I'm still figuring that out. Right. And, and I, we, and that's the thing is like, Jesus is like, you're never going to figure it out. My ways are not your ways. And I think what has helped me over the years find my love for the Eucharist is that I, is that I do teach a class to high schoolers and I do have to make it, uh, I do have to explain it in such a way that there is an opening for that grace to fill them. Right. I'm not going to be the source of of it, Jesus is going to be the source of it, but I, I have to provide an explanation in such a way that there is an opening. Yeah. A lot of times that, that explanation looks a little bit like, I think part of, for me, the greatness in it is that Jesus was a historical fiction uh, figure and I love history. I love how things kind of came to be. And so you can go back and he really, he really did walk this planet. He really did. And 
there's so many recorded miracles. Mm-hmm. There's so many. Mm-hmm. They're they're all beautiful. He Eucharistic raised, miracles, right? Mean. Yeah. Well, no, just like well, yeah. Oh, all miracles. All the miracles yeah. that he did, right? He raised he raised Lazarus. Oh, so all these. Did. Gotcha. Tracking. Right. So, Tracking. I'm right. with you. <laughs> so so I think when I explain it to the kids, it's often my young adult, young people <laughs> that um. I always start with, do you believe those things in the Bible? Do you believe that he could, Jesus himself could, could raise a man from the dead or did raise a man from the dead or that he fed all these people, right? Yeah. And once they can say yes to that, all I have to say is like, why couldn't he make bread, spiritual food? Why couldn't he make bread himself? Wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it be the wisest thing to leave us with the one thing that makes us exist. Food, we cannot exist without it. So spiritual food, wouldn't it? Like, doesn't that just in your brain, it's, if you want to be logical? Right. It's really funny. Because, well, it's not logical, right? But it makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, it's really interesting because to have these eyes of faith, we need to dive a little bit deeper than just reading the text. You're right. You right. can be like, and Jesus raised Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead, right? And upon first glance, that's a nice story. Right. But to take a second and reread the line and say, Wait, Jesus raised a dead person. I've seen a dead person before. Right. What does it mean for them to come back to life? That's crazy. Like, boom, right there. Like, you're entering into the mystery. Now, I do think that there's a, a way that you could, I mean, you can dive into mysteries forever, but there's a way that we can overthink things, right? And, like, kind of think ourselves out of faith. Right. But seeing with eyes of faith, to really dive into this mystery of the Eucharist or any mystery of faith in the Catholic Church... We need to, we need to go slow. I've been doing this Lectio Divina thing for a few weeks, um, not regularly. I need to do it more regularly. It's amazing the graces that Scripture hold when you read it slowly. Um, we can't be so obsessed with like getting a chapter a day right. done. We need to like learn something every day from Scripture, and sometimes that means reading three lines. Right. Uh, like to, in today's gospel, I. I read it like six times. It took me like a half hour to go through the, and it takes time and it's annoying because we're so used to quick stuff. Yes. Right. But Fix like, it yeah, right. Right. But I kept reflecting and saying like, what does this hold for me? Like what is in here? And I couldn't get it. And I couldn't get it until the sixth time I read it through. And I went, Oh, oh. that's right there. Yeah. That's the mystery. And then I sat with that for right. a little bit. That's, that's what we need to do. Right. We and, need to do that with everything. And, and that's why that's why it's really hard to be Catholic. <laughs> and that's yeah. why it takes a lifetime because right. there's so much to think about. Well, and, and that just goes back to the Eucharist. Like it probably isn't going to be one religious education class nope. over the Eucharist nope. that inspires people to um to, to do this hard work of Jesus, you are in the Eucharist. Like, what does that mean that you would? Yeah. I, I actually texted Father Doug and I was like, wait, is it true that I touch God because of the Trinity? And I go and I receive, he's like, eh, well, you know, your senses actually uh, encounter the accidents right. that are bread and wine. You touch bread. Uh, right. But. But yes, do you receive yeah. God? Right. Yes. And yeah. so 
that is mind boggling and mind blowing. And you have to consider it over and over and over again. So, so what does that mean as, as people of faith who want to change? Ultimately, people of faith want to change that, right? We don't care really what the world thinks, obviously. No. Right. I mean, there's a lot that the Catholic Church teaches that if we cared, there would be a bunch of stuff out of here. So we, but for. Well, I do care that the world, I want everyone to be Catholic. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> But listen, like I understand you, what you're you know, saying, what, you know what I'm saying. I understand what you you're know saying. that soapbox, right? Yeah. So, so, but like, what can you and I do, and everybody who's listening? What can we do to change those numbers? I think it just goes back to like beautifully living your faith, and also being able to explain to people, yeah, this this process that it's a process, and that it's that it entails a lot, but that it's right. so worth it's so worth it. Well, and you know. And in reflecting on these things, in when we think about these mysteries of faith, they also, it doesn't have to be like these deep, beautiful thoughts that we have. I mean, beginning to enter into the mystery is saying, that's God? Like that, right. looking, at, looking at the consecrated bread and wine, looking at the body and blood of Christ and going, that's God? Even if it's a skeptical, that's God. Right. Like you're beginning to enter into the mystery and it's it's slow so there's this thing in rcaa i'm sure i've said it on the podcast before uh after people are baptized and received into the church they enter this period in the rcaa called mystagogy Mm -hmm. mystagogy whatever m-y-s-t-a-g-o-g-y every baptized fully initiated catholic is in a period of mystagogy and if you're familiar with the word pedagogy yeah in relation to teachers it kind of means like your style, how you walk with someone. Peta yeah. is how you walk with a student. Mystagogy means walking into the mysteries. So for the rest of our lives, after we're received into the church, it's our job to walk into the mysteries. You literally just blew my mind. I have never heard that. Thank you. Two, I did not go through uh, two RCIA. Degrees, two degrees. And that's, you know, that's what you get right there. <laughs> So your whole life you're walking into the mystery. That's the job. That's, that's no wonder everything. Elisa, that's is so hard. That's everything. That's prayer. Oh, Every no. moment of prayer is entering into the mystery of who God is. Every time we go to mass, it's encountering the mystery, the Paschal mystery, and the mystery of the Eucharist. Everything we do is mystery. And when we say mystery, we don't mean like gotta solve it, like a Sherlock Holmes novel. <laughs> it's With a mystery your- in the sense that like it's a never ending ocean the deepest thing whose ultimate end is God who never ends. It, it never ends. That's so, what heaven is. It, Sorry, the, I'm going the off. Further, but, like as you walk and you walk and you walk, it just gets more beautiful. Eternity is walking into these mysteries and eternity is God and God is beautiful. It's so beautiful. That might be and there's the, right. No. And there's so, there is an aspect of nearness. The closer that you walk. Yeah. Oftentimes there is a nearness, like you're, you're here, you see me. And there is this sense of like, oh my, oh my goodness. Isn't it interesting that like walking into these mysteries, we never arrive, but we do feel close to God. You're right. And I think that's not because we're walking towards him, but we're walking with him in them. Like he's right next to us. And so we, he's present to us, Yeah, but we never arrive. This episode is making me weepy. Don't cry. Wow. My theology could be way off. But I, I think it's more of a spiritual thing to say, like, maybe God's maybe God's walking next to us when we try to dive into these mysteries, when we walk into the mystery. Um, and maybe 
maybe there is no end goal. Maybe that's the goal. Just walking with him. Right. Yes. Was that more inspirational and encouraging than our last I episode? really loved. And I think, I, I think honestly, I think that when we do this podcast and I learn something new that I can take away, yeah. that gives me a sense that maybe there's somebody out there yeah. that can take something and walk away with mm-hmm. it. So, um, so yeah, that's a discouraging it. number, but like the encouraging thing is. is that we have people, we, those of us who are hold this treasure because yeah. that's what it is. That it is a treasure that we've entered into this relationship that is treasure that we have a treasure to give to right. people. Right. And, um, we just, we just need to be. And I do think that there generous. are, people in church leadership rising up with new ideas and creative ways to communicate our teachings and our beliefs. And I do think that when it comes to formation, um, I think that there are people, lay people who are really embracing the call to spread the gospel. Um, and yes, it's going to make all the difference in the next 50 or a hundred years. The next 50 or a hundred years is going to be really difficult for the church because of the way the world is and because of the way the church is right now, but, um, but don't you feel a shift? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of hope. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, maybe our podcast is like a, it's a small look into this, but it's so easy to fall into despair. That's the devil's trick, right? Mm-hmm. Like just to despair and to give up and leave, leave, walk away. Right. Um, it takes a lot more work to hope and to work for change. And that's what we want to do. Amen. Okay. We're going to go before you cry. Yeah. Uh, if you liked this episode, go ahead and uh, like it, subscribe to it. Um, our wonderful media department will post this on Facebook. So if you like hit share, hit that share button, Yeah, especially if you're like, hey, if y'all don't be afraid, if, if you have somebody that you're like, oh, man, you got to listen to this because they're talking about you, Chris. Remember that conversation we're having like this is a I think it could possibly yeah. potentially at some point in somebody's life be an evangelization. Tool. Yeah. And listen, if you you know, you're worried someone's going to see it and be like, you posted that churchy thing. What's wrong with you? Do it. Jesus wants you to post our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Besides, besides <laughs> that could en- be a t-shirt. There's, there's enough. That's a really good t-shirt. We should t-shirt. get t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. so anyway, like, subscribe. We uh, are praying for you and we're so glad that you took time to listen. Go be church. <laughs> <laughs>